what you hearing. This is what you hearing. Listen. This is what you hearing. Listen. This is what you hearing. Listen. X go give it to you. Fuck way for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to you. Knock knock. Open up the door. Welcome to a new season of the Estate and CX podcast. On this first episode, I want to address the issue of staff retention. Seems to be a bit of an issue in a state agency at the moment with people having their staff poached or leaving since COVID has sort of blown away. People have sort of reevaluated what they want to do in life. It seems like every company in the world seems to be understaffed and there's a lot of opportunity out there. So on this episode, I've brought on Rob Brady, who's one of our elite performance coaches at Iceberg. He's coached hundreds of agents now. He's becoming known as the coach in a state agency. Um, but aside from that, Rob also does a lot of work around mental health. Uh, he has a mental health company called Fight Train. He does loads of work around raising money for mental health. So he's got a great understanding of that. He's obviously worked as an agent in, in different environments. He's working at Iceberg, obviously, and, and so I, I think he can give us a, a unique perspective on why people leave a state agency or why they leave to go to a competitor or, you know, how you end up keeping staff and turning your company into more of a destination than uh, a place that people go through on the way to somewhere else. Hope you enjoy the episode. Rob, welcome to the show. Um, obviously, welcome back to the show. Actually, you've been on the been on a few times, and obviously, an intrinsic part of Iceberg. So, you know, I'm sure you'll be on again many times again in, in the future. Um, today's episode, I wanted to talk around the problem that estate agents are, are facing at the moment, or all industries really, but obviously, we're focused mainly on estate agency around recruitment and retention, not just recruitment. We've done kind of episodes around recruitment before, but COVID and everything that COVID blew into town with it has sort of had a bit of a knock-on effect on many industries whereby there's a lot of opportunity for people out there at the moment, but it seems like a lot of businesses are understaffed and the staff that they have got are questioning whether they want to do that role anymore for one reason or another. Maybe they Maybe they wanted to stay working from home. Maybe they're just questioning where they are in life. You know, a number of reasons COVID seems to have brought along with it at some form of great resignation and change for people. Um, so, you know, with the background that you've got, speaking to so many agents with all the coaching that you do and, and talking to teams and the work you do around mental health, the work that you've done as an agent previously, you know, different environments, obviously working at Iceberg, just thought that maybe we could have a, a general chat around some of this stuff that could perhaps lead companies to turning their organisations into more destination type organisations where somebody comes to work and sees themselves being there for a long time, as opposed to stepping stone organisations that someone takes because it's the best of a bad bunch or They'll do it for now, and then they'll move on to something else in the future. Um, so I guess to start, my question to you is based around, first of all, your own experience. We'll go into what you experience with, with clients afterwards, but with your own experience, um, you worked in an estate agency and must have seen many people come and go. Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? Um, so, uh, obviously 10 years, almost a decade as an independent and then corporate as well. And I don't think there was any difference between the two of the faces you see through. Quite interesting what you said about that. How many times have we interviewed someone or how many times have you, anyone watched a video and it says, I fell into a stay agency. Um, so there wasn't really, there's not really any set criteria or, or, um, it's only interesting, I was only having a conversation with my partner Kelly the other day about a young lad that she knows, and he was like, she's like, he's got nothing else better to do, he doesn't know what to do in life, so just get him to come in a state agent, because like, as long as he got a driving licence, it's not really a skilled job, effectively, to have seen a lot of people in the early stages. Driving licence in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and you can put a key for the door. Um, 
I think what I, what I noticed in all the years, even going back to corporate uh, banking as well, it, you, the biggest fundamental is that core culture. Mm. And I'm ve- I've become very passionate about it um, because I've experienced on both sides of it. You know, working at Iceberg now, we're on the most recent experience of a culture level to it. We are in remote locations because we've decided that we can still operate that way without needing an office because the office we you know we were only having those conversations in before covid about whether we needed an office and that in that element to it um because of the flexibility and um we're on different countries and different countries mm, different continents and i'm finding like the organization we have like i don't see you regularly but i feel like i don't need to because we've already got that core culture set up that we know everyone's driving the same ship everyone's a part of that same boat and I feel like I know my teammates over in Turkey as much as they know me. Um, and sometimes it's even more, it's crazy. You could be, I could, I've sat next to members of staff in other roles and not even known half of the information about those people. Okay, but then having experienced those two flip, those two sides of that coin, like how does that, how does that help an estate agent who's running a small, you know, small company based that where they're all based in England? What What's... I don't know what's the point there what are you um, what can they what can they gain from that information so i think um like core culture there's a lot of workshops and stuff that's out there around core culture and core values and setting up your mission statement and that sort of side to it and i only put up a post about a week ago about this and i was saying like the it's easy to put down on paper these three or five core values that you go to a workshop and you get it blasely done You've got it on paper, so you feel like you've got core values. But actually, the hardest part is actually really implementing and sticking to them and really believing them. Not just, I've got a bit of pieces of paper on a word and I've done my core values thing and everyone's going to be singing to it. It's like going down the ruthless process of going like, this is what I fundamentally believe. So I've got to find the staff. The staff who are currently in that place need to align with that. Or going to have to go down the process of, don't realise and us realising that we're not a good fit mm. because and 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 encourage them that there are other opportunities out there if they're not happy with the current role they're with us and then attracting the right people to replace them. Do you think, um, you know, I feel like on my, my journey of having employees has been an interesting one and I kind of feel like I, it, it's, I still find it hard to do but realism is something I think that is missing from a lot of business owners, certainly small business owners, uh, ideas around what they're going to get when they employ a member of staff. You know, when we spoke just now about, you know, to be an estate agent, you just need a, a driving license and a heartbeat and, you know, to be able to put a key in a door. And it's a, it's quite funny, but, in some ways it's kind of true and I, I can remember you know when I first like you said at the beginning when I first sort of fell into a state agency I was working I'd been working in a few dead-end jobs I've worked I was working in an ice cream shop I think when I went to work as an, an interview for an estate agent and to me it wasn't the same as how I look at a state agency now it was like god I really hope I could I really hope I get this job I really hope they'll they'll hire me and when they did it was like wow that's brilliant that someone's going to you know, uh, give me this opportunity. And looking back now, they, they just didn't give a shit. They just wanted numbers. They couldn't care or less. Same when I went from state agency into IT recruitment in the city. It was like, oh, I hope they give me this opportunity. Couldn't give a shit, you know. Um, so, and the reason they couldn't give a shit is because they know if you don't hit the numbers in three months or six, four months or whatever it is, they're just going to fire you. So they're yeah. just playing a numbers game. But like... That's not very realistic, and that's what I mean about most small business owners. They just need to get perhaps a bit more realistic about what is it you're hoping that this employee does, and how long are you realistically thinking it's going to take them to achieve that? Yeah. Are you going to really know after three months? No, this person's complete crap. Like, really? What would they have been like if you gave them a year? Now I get it. If someone's really bad, you know, like really really bad they don't even come to work then it's pretty self-explanatory but most 
businesses, sales type businesses, estate agency recruitment, that type of thing, they put targets on the board. You hit the targets, you stay, you miss the targets, you leave, unless you've been there for a long period of time. So, like, do you think that that fuels the whole problem? Like, of it, oh, I'm disappointed that my staff want to leave. But at the same time, I don't make them feel like I'm going to keep them if they don't hit their target. If they don't hit their target, then I'm going to fire them. But they should want to stay forever. Yeah, I think um, what's really interesting is becoming a becoming down going down this coaching route, obviously, and training in coaching. Uh, what I've noticed is a big contrast actually with how leaders need to understand coaching to training with people, and coaching is unlocking their value and seeing their potential. The training is getting them to go, right, here's a process. Take this key, go drive to this house, put a key for the door and show them around. Where coaching is in getting them to unlock their potential to how to extract an offer out of them, how to negotiate, how to have those experiences and getting them to see um, themselves in their belief in what they can do. And if you've gone, then put overlay that with just like, you've got to put viewings in, you've got to do valuations, you've got to do this. Like That's two contrasting op- opposite ends of the spectrum because... You can't empower someone and then two weeks later have a go at them if they're going through that process of discovering self. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, when, when, we, like when I met you a good few years ago, we had these conversations and we even set that up in, in my oldest company, tried to set up like um, monthly meetings that are not just around how many valuations you put and how many viewings you put. Like I wanted the guys to communicate better with their when they went out and saw people. So the only way I worked on that was how do you communicate with other members of staff to find information about them? Mm. So they were targeted around like, tell me a bit of information about your, fa- like new bit of information you found out about a member of staff. Included like made a made a proper core team of everyone started to know everyone and how they worked. We did personality tests, all that sort of side to it to try and work on a greater understanding on the individuals in their team. Like, again, like, putting someone's labeling as a negotiator or they're a valuer or they're like, they're a person. And as soon as you label that person as a negotiator and you, you put them against his metrics, like they might be a different type of person to do that role that might be better. So they might be better communicating with people, but someone else in that role might be really good at admin trying yeah. to then go right book valuations of viewers on top of it. How can you measure that person? Yeah, but, you know, and I guess, like, you know, to put some balance on it from the flip side, a small business owner is thinking, like, yeah, 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 that's all very nice, but I've got bills to pay at the end of the month. And I think, like, the lesson that the lessons that I've learned and continue to try to learn are that you, you kind of got to put that aside for a minute. They're two different issues. Whether you can pay your bills at the end of the month isn't the issue of the member of staff that you've just taken on. Um, they've You've had an agreement with them that they're going to do this particular role as to the best of their ability, they're not a magician, um, but they're going to do this role to the best of their ability. And, and if they do that for you every day or however many days you've agreed with them, you'll pay them a certain amount of money for that. The fact that you haven't got enough money to run the business isn't yeah. their fault. And so you, you, have to, you have to really keep that away from the conversation. The fact that, like, you know, you wish Sue that you took on two months ago was doing more sales than she is is kind of irrelevant like if you want to get the best out of that person now don't get me wrong like i said if sue's not coming to work on time and sue's just fucking around and doing nothing that's different but you know it may be that it's going to take sue 12 months to turn into the the person that you hoped she was going to be have you got the resources to facilitate that or not and if you haven't that's not really sue's fault yeah, I mean, I, I mean, a great example is when I start, first started the independent. I was nicknamed Stupid Boy. Right, lovely. <laughs> like, what a motivational mm. chat, um, view that was. But then three years later, I ended up taking over lessons and growing to what it was. And I wasn't then seen as Stupid Boy. I was called Golden Balls. Yeah. If you had met me at the beginning with the level of motivation and the, the, uh, the empowerment to, towards me to try and reach my goals, I did that myself by my own, my own learning. So I think I think um, what was what was really interesting is going back to the whole core values part to it and about recruitment of people. And this is what I noticed within ice within iceberg and the team that we've taken on, and looking at new members of staff we've taken on all that part to it. Like as much as the bills aren't 
like you've got to pay the bills if you get your core values right and proper core values and proper culture and find the people align with you at least if you're going through a tough patch and you're in the trenches and you've got to try and fight out of it at least you know you're aligned with the people next to you that are going to be doing the same thing because you found the, the, your, your tribe within that not put them in like false pretenses and then there's that misalignment between like what you want to achieve and what your core values and where you want to be you run your business you haven't really communicated that well to your team like going outside the industry you know i've got two brothers who are both business owners one's in the hospitality sector and one's in the retail sector and they're having the same problems okay and if and just by understanding like even from a shop level, my brother's got a shop. He's got a high-end cheese wine provision stores. Mm. Like it's in the middle of a sleepy town. It's not. It's very small business, really, when you look at that aspect to it. But even him lining core values up has actually changed the type of staff members he's got. And it's alleviated the frustrations and actually improved the customer experience and actually improved the spend that they're spending. Yeah, and that's uh, I, you know that I completely uh, agree with all of that. I think we might have a, have a podcast in the last season about core values taking on the right finding the right staff what i want to try and dig into here is more about retention yeah and like why why does somebody want to leave one estate agent to go and work over the road in another estate agent is it purely money would you say is that, is that the main driving factor like what's the what's the reason why do they leave i think um I don't. I think if you if the if the agency you're working with doesn't communicate their goals and their visions in the future, what what they're what we're, they're trying to achieve, and actually also yeah do reward them financially for actually when they do well, not oh you've got to do uh, you know x times by z plus this and plus that just to get some good money, hmm. and I, and you're still looking at thinking like oh yeah I've made I've made three hundred grand this year for you and you're paying me you want to pay me your five grand of it. Like it's not really that inspiring. Um, so I think that's a part. And I do think like you, we have to understand that, you know, for eight hours a day, maybe nine, 10 summer stances, how they, how they push the boundaries of how many working hours people do, people are spending their lives there. So they have to understand that there's a mixture of, am I financially worth it, self-worth in this role, but also my time, like, is it worth it? And I think the going back to what you said about COVID, COVID's been a massive factor in people deciding like, have I got self-worth? And also, do I want to spend my 10 hours a day of my life working in this environment? Yeah. I think like more so than ever, a company has to get aligned with what it is that their staff are trying to achieve in life. Mm. Now, we're past the days of, here's a job you should be thankful that we're offering you one. And I get it, you know, estate agents, as we said at the beginning, like, you know, we, we are off, off, often this, our industry is offering, you know, a half-decent job to somebody who hasn't got that many options. You know, certainly, you know, why I went into estate agency and why lots of other people do. But at the same time, I'm still a person who's got dreams and aspirations. And if those companies could have aligned with my dreams and aspirations in the beginning and said, okay, I can see you know, what you want to achieve here, we could potentially help you get there. Why would I want to leave? I mean, I know everybody, you might say, well, everybody wants more money. I, I'm not so sure about that. I think that everybody wants to get paid uh, a reasonable wage. They don't want to be underpaid, mm. you know, and it'd be nice if they if they earn a bit more. Um, but provided you're paying people enough that they can have a decent living and a decent life and they don't feel like they're getting underpaid mm. then it becomes about more than just the wage it becomes about like where's this going what am i doing every day like how, how much time do i get to spend with my kids how much time do i get to do whatever it is i want to do in life am i going to be able to buy the house that i wanted to buy will i be able to drive the car that i wanted to be able to drive like you know am i gonna all of these all of these things like that you think about when you start your own business, right? Because you're frustrated with the path that you're on. Everybody wants that in life. So, you know, if you can give people time off whenever they want time off, that's a that's a benefit that you only usually get by owning your own business. Yeah. So it's reasonably easy to do. Why not do it? I mean, I, I saw a job post the other day where they said they made a point of saying you want you don't get paid for your lunch hour yeah why why bother saying that it's just so petty that like it, it immediately gives the signal out that 
we don't really give a shit about you. Right? We want you for as little as we can possibly pay you. But if you do really well, if you make us, like you said, if you make us 300 grand, we might give you an extra thousand pound bonus. Mm. You know, and you should be lucky because otherwise you're going to be working in a, you know, McDonald's or whatever. But you've got. A- I've been in. I've been in environments where, um, you know, we've come to the end of the year here and they've had a successful year, but I've had to, as management, go to my members of staff and start negotiating because I realised that the HR realised that they've had half a day extra of holiday. The whole year, so it's three hours and going to sorry, you either got to pay, take it unpaid, yeah. Like, we're not going to pay you that, it's going to deduction. And, and it's you, crazy you think about like how demoralizing sometimes that could be to the team. Um, often I hear the argument that, like, you know, the generations that come through today, whether it's millennials or you know, Gen Z or whatever it might be, you know, that they, they don't they, they're scared of hard work and all of that sort of thing. And like, from my experience, I couldn't, I, it's it's so far at the other end of the scale these people will will they don't see a barrier between life and work they'll work 24 7 they just don't want to they're just more aware and more confident to say no you're mugging me off than perhaps generations before would have been generations before were grateful to have the job and they'll stay in that job for the for the whole of their lives you know all of us have got probably got parents that pretty much did the same job their entire lives and they had the job and they were, they, went, they were looking towards their pension. The difference now is that people are not looking towards their pension. They're looking to have a good life. Mm. They're not scared of doing work, but they're also not scared of saying, you're just mugging me off. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think it's, a, it's understanding that balance of um, finances worth versus just living and the, the element to it and if you've got an like I look at it from obviously I know I'm not an agent anymore but I look in the environments I am now you know I do work from home I started later than what I used to work in a state I haven't got a battle traffic you know I travel travel I don't got to travel home in traffic etc so you know I'm more than happy to sit at eight o'clock in the evening and do emails and you know that I do that sort of side to it cool people say to me like you're working that element to it but I look at it as a balance going like I'm less stressed doing this because there's an element to that and like you know trying to get an estancy in you know eight eight o'clock in the morning seven thirty they've got to leave they've got a battle like I even fundamentally believe that if a state agent started at 9 30 they won't be missing out stuff because most of the stuff especially for our clients you know they've already had people registering overnight so they've got to worry about doing that part but if they start at 9 30 even just giving them that extra 45 minutes to get into the office will they they miss the main traffic for the school traffic and it's a bit more nicer and then they they get in a bit more and like five thirty finish like let them finish at five let them let them leave before the traffic starts to build up yeah like well, I know have, you have, have, have one member of staff that stays to what, once a week or whatever it yeah. is like you say like you know you're not you're not going to miss out on loads of stuff by forcing people to these are your targets this is what you've got to do or you're going to get fired it doesn't allow for any creativity like. You know that as a business owner. Yeah. We know as a business owner, if we don't do any sales, we're not going to be able to afford everybody. Therefore, we're going to have to make redundancies. I don't need to tell you that every day. Like That's just a fucking fact. So, you know, we, I don't need to talk about it. Um, you know, and I know, the purpose of the company. Like We're here to do this, to give this product to these people and we're hoping to make sales. And if we don't make any sales, everyone should be fucking grown up, to, grown up enough to realise that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. But if they all really like their jobs, then they will all want to solve that problem. And if it's solvable, it will get solved. And if it isn't solvable, they're not magicians. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that whole element of like, really in a stage, you have to understand like, what you're trying to deliver. If you want to deliver amazing experience, you'll find the right people to do that because that will lead on to people booking in, good reviews, good reviews build, generates more in leads. And that whole cycle happens. You haven't got a force someone. Like I remember it was crazy where you still see like viewing targets. Like I look at it and go like, how can you, viewing targets are a fallback, a, a, a hangover from when you didn't have a computer and right moving people registering you, had a box and you had to do viewing targets to try and generate viewings from your applicant box. Now, most of it comes from the portals or whether you've got any other stuff like we have, where you can just register people in. But 
people are requesting their own viewings. We're in a we're in an information world if now. Target, if your target was like fifteen for the month, then I get thirty right move inquiries. Does that make me brilliant? Exactly. <laughs> and if I get five right move inquiries, does that make me crap? Hmm. You know, it's it's crazy. I'm, I I know what you're saying because you know, viewing targets stem from a corporate background, don't they? Whereby we're just going to do this en masse. We're going to have 250 branches across the country. Each branch is going to have five members of staff in it. Three of those members of staff are going to be responsible for booking viewings. They all need to book 10 viewings each. Blah, blah. Numbers, 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 numbers. We don't give a fuck. Again, employ anybody with a heartbeat and yeah. driving license. A small independent, don't, we don't, you don't need to worry about that. You sit next to the fucking guy. Like, you know what he does every day. I don't need a number on the board to say, well, going to have, a, have to have a conversation this month, Rob, because I know you've been working really hard, but you've only done 10 viewings instead of 11. It's like, yeah, I, of course you're going to turn around and go, are you having a fucking laugh, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> like, are we really having a conversation? Crazy? What's even more crazy is, like, again, just from, a, from a, an efficiency point of, like, even that being a target, like, you know, what you want to focus on is how many sales you get done and how many go to exchange you complete. Not, we did 30 viewings and still sold that one house. It's like, okay, great. You spent 30 times viewing to get that same outcome when it could be delivering a greater experience to five or six people that yeah. still have the same outcome. Yeah. I've got an awesome house on the market so I can get my viewings target done now if I just phone a lot of people. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, like you say, out, out, outcomes rather than output, right? So we just yeah. want to know what, what's coming out the other end. And, and, and as a business owner, you need to make people feel like we value their opinion on that. You know, my value is if I was running an estate agency, obviously, like, you know, I'm not. So I'm sure there are people out there going, it doesn't work this way. But from the businesses that I do run, my valuers or my salespeople, whatever you want to call it, are making calls and having discussions with people in order to give me feedback on what's going on out there. Yeah. If they don't make any sales, like, I just I just want to know what's going on out there. Like, mm. is it that our product isn't good? Is it that our product's, like, missing a few functions? Is it that you didn't speak to anyone? Is it that you couldn't get through to anyone? Is it... Just give me the feedback. Mm. Like, you know, so... State agents that are struggling for, with retention, I guess, you know, what we're saying is like, you're not that in tune with where your staff perhaps, or perhaps you're not that in tune with what your staff's goals are and where they're trying to go. If you're always basing it on the output that they're doing, and we've never really had a personal conversation about Where's this going for you? You know, you're working here as a negotiator. Yeah, okay, you're 24 years old and you stumbled into the job. Fair enough, we're, we're glad to have you. But, like, where's this going? Mm. What are you planning on doing? Like, what's the next step for you in your life? Can I help you get there in my company? Or even can I help you get there so that you can go to another company? And I think if you, if you go down that approach and find that information out, not only you find the type of, like, going back to the whole coaching element to it, type of personality that individual is, the strengths, the weaknesses, what their dreams are. Their dreams are will probably give you an idea of the type of person they are. Working out whether you can compliment and help them on that journey will develop them as a human being. They then bring new new things to your business, new ways of working. They're far more confident. So naturally you will find that you have your individuals growing within your business, which then means that as a business owner, you tend to find that it should be more easier to run because it's rather than just you trying to yeah. organize everything. I think like my, my advice from my own experience on that would be like, next time you interview somebody, have a conversation with them about what their goals are and where they're going. And when they start talking to you about the random scripted bullshit that you say in an interview, or, you know, in five years, I'd like to be in your chair, all of that sort of stuff, just stop and go, forget all the bullshit. Forget all that crap. Just talk to me normally, like a normal person. Where do you live at the moment? And are you happy living there? Are you thinking that you might want to move at some point in the future? Like, Are you thinking that you might want to have kids? Are you thinking that you might want to get a different car? Like, Just talk to me about your life. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll know instantly where I'm going to be able to help you get there and what it's going to take for you to do at my company for me to help you get there 
I mean, if we both agree, I can help you get there. If you do this for me, then we're both going to win out of this, right? If you tell me an outrageous goals that I can't help you with, you know, waste both of our time. So if you did that, do that in an interview, the person will either go, well, I don't know what we're talking about here and, and still stall. But the majority of people, will, you'll break a wall down and they'll go, well, actually, now that you say it, like we've just had our second child and we're living in a one-bedroom flat. So, yeah, we are going to need to move soon. Oh, interesting. And how much are the flats that you need to move to? Well, yeah, to move to the one of those, I need to be earning this much money. It's like, okay, that's that's like triple the salary that I'm offering. So why are you taking this, why are you yeah. taking this job? How do we get to the stage where you earn triple as much? Oh, well, you'd have to do this for me. Can you? Yeah. We can go on that path if you want. Yeah, I'd love to go on that path. All right. That's going to be harder, but let's do it. You know, so... It's interesting because that's, that's an interview technique I used to use. I used to sit down and use the analogy that if the person I'm interviewing, if they were sat on, if like, for, for instance, like sometimes you'd pick up the wrong keys and then you've got to stand outside chatting to the person whilst the office comes as right set. Yeah. So I used to always use the analogy, that person sat on a doorstep, can they still communicate that person whilst obviously annoyed, they're frustrated, and can they get them round still that, you know, 20 minutes later, they're still loving being on that doorstep and they walk away thinking such and such an estate is actually really, really good. Mm. And by establishing that, I then route down the route of, like he exactly said, like, tell me a bit about yourself. And a lot of people, when they did input, we used to employ them, they used to say, do you know what? Your interview is well weird compared to other estate agents or other businesses we've done because it was all like really uncomfortable, really logical, but actually you got to know me as an individual person, which I really liked. So when people ask stuff in an interview, like tell me about yourself, someone gives a standard response and they move on to the next. You got, to, I think you have to be able to say to somebody, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't just tell me you like running and you know, you're into like going out with the family for meals. That's bollocks. Yeah. Talk, just talk to me. Like, what the fuck is going on in your life? Yeah. And then and then you can you can why does someone bother to go through the pain of setting up a business? Because they have these goals. They think to themselves, like, oh, I could get here, I could do it's the same for someone employed. So, like, let's have a conversation about your goals. Where the fuck are you going in life? You want really, you want to take a job as a negotiator for me on a 13 grand basic salary with on target earnings of 22 grand. Really? Like, what the fuck are you going to do on that? You ain't buying a house. How much how much ownership do you think is the responsibility of the business owner compared to the staff about establishing? I think it's up to the business owner to have that kind of conversation at the interview yeah. and establish whether this is going anywhere and not then get six months down the line whereby they are paying someone 25 grand and they wonder why that person is not turning up and looking for other jobs and is having their head turned by other companies because they know you can't live on that that wage now they might turn around and go like yeah well we'd all love to be able to offer 40 grand salaries but we don't earn enough well that's a different issue like that issue needs to be solved in a different whole different podcast why you charge the fees that you charge because otherwise you can't run the company that you need to be able to run but you know from the beginning if you're saying to somebody, look, come on, Rob, I can convince you into leaving your job. Come and work for me. All right, basic's low, but there's a great chance that you could earn, you know, £100,000 a year. And I'm sitting there realistically going like, well, I've never been able to do the amount of sales that I'm targeting Rob to do. But, you know, fuck it, he might be brilliant. <laughs> it's not going to work out, is it? So it's on the business owner to do that. But I think if you can have the honest conversation in the beginning, if you can really drag it out of that person, if I was interviewing you for the first time and I could really find out your personal circumstances, where you're hoping to go with your with your missus and the fact that you've got some you know kids on the way and what issues you ha might have with, I don't know, your, your, your family or your holidays or your car. And I could really find all of that out and I could go like, wow, I can't solve all those problems for you from day one, but I know what problems you've got now. And I genuinely think I can take you to a place whereby in a couple of years, I'll be happy if you've managed to achieve what I need you to achieve and you'll be happy because I know what you're trying to achieve I'll, I, and I'll get you there. Mm. If you've had that conversation in the beginning, then I think it's down to the, to the employee to remain focused enough to go, this is what I said I wanted. 
Like the grass might be greener on the other side of the fence, but unless what I've wanted changed, there's no need for me to leave. Joe's really interesting. Going back to what you were originally saying around why staff leave other companies and go to other estate agencies. Um, I, I've had it quite regularly happen where a staff member who hasn't, like, you know, you're going down that route, et cetera, and then they've been attracted by that other bit of money and they've actually gone to that other estate agency spent like three or four day, hours in there and then called back up and said, you know what, like, I hate working here. This ain't the same. I want to come back. Like, screw screw that extra couple of thousand. And like, it tends to generally happen when you've got maybe newer employees to the industry after six months, 12 months, and they've got that itchy feet. And then obviously I have to look back and think, okay, you know, I wasn't the business owner, but I was the operative part of that business like there's only so much I could give direction towards that member of staff to try and achieve what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. But um, it was quite interesting when you have that um, comparison of like, it's not just the finances, finance are important, but also the culture. And the... I think it all comes back to that initial in- interview and like, you know, how, we're, how well are you in touch with each other? Like, cause I can, I can imagine if I rewind in my mind a long, long way into the dusty past of being an estate agent and a, on a on a five grand basic and a bit of commission, that like you know, if an estate agent over the road was offering me seven grand, I'd have probably been quite flattered by that. But only if I didn't really have a deep connection, because if I'd had a conversation with my old manager about where this is going, yeah, and what I'm moving towards, that the extra couple of grand wouldn't have made any difference because I'd have gone to him and gone. I pop over the roads offering me seven grand yeah. and he'd have gone, what are you talking about? Like yeah. we've already had a conversation about where this is going for you and what we're trying to move towards. You know that I can't give you seven grand, but we've already spoken about where this is going. <laughs> yeah. And I think also like when it comes to those conversations, what I've, what I've worked out uh, over the last year is including the teams within particular those conversations, like used to be environments where it's like, right, we've done this much money. Like our goal next year is to just, do that again and it's like okay like how are we going to achieve that i don't know it's the same as what we did last year yeah whereas like if you sat down with the team going right you know we want to try and get an extra 10 percent on last year that's equated to this much money break down the quarters what do you feel is like how we can achieve this and include the team feel like they're actually a part of the mission that you're trying to achieve they're you know you might be steering that rocket ship but they're the crew within it to make sure you know the boosters don't blow up and the wings don't fall off and all that element to it. So at least they, they feel like they've got a valid part in that mission. And also it helps with the accountability because if they turn around and say, yeah, I think we should be doing this and doing that, not only they can run projects or campaigns or strategies that you can then help them achieve to try and achieve that great goal, but also they can report back and say, this is what I found. Like we, we try to do this and, this everybody work everybody becomes much more engaged in it, don't they? You know, like if I sit down, I'm offering somebody a certain salary and they say, well, you know, realistically, from what we've just discussed and talking about my life, I probably need to earn three times that. And I say to them, like, okay, how how would you how are you thinking that we could achieve that together? And they they go, Well, I guess, you know, if I could help you raise your revenue by this much money, would you be willing to do it and then it becomes more like yes absolutely yeah. i would are you going to figure out how to raise my revenue by that much money it's like yeah i am yeah. and it's like great okay let's let's go on that journey together we both know where we stand i can't afford to pay you that much at the moment but if you if we figure it out together this is what's going to happen yeah. and everybody's much more engaged I, I can't end the podcast without going on to the mental health aspect i'm no expert in mental health um, I believe I probably suffer from mental health without realizing it. Um, but but you are, um, or, or, you know, maybe you might want to want to call yourself an expert in it. But you know, certainly, you know, you've got foundations around it, and you know, you do a lot of work around that um, that side of things. And that the traditional the traditional estate agent who's been around, you know, twenty years, thirty years, is there's probably even if they go along with the mental health thing, there's probably an aspect of it where they're like, I'll just fucking grow up and, you know, get on with things and blah, 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 blah. So I'm interested to know from your perspective, like without turning it into a daycare center, yep. how, how can a, how could a business owner really genuinely 
start taking and thinking about some of the issues that might be there around mental health and and making sure that people if surely surely if they are happy which is what we're talking about with mental health ultimately they're more likely to stay in a job than if they're unhappy so you know where where would you see that coming into things from your experience with working with mental health and working with agents yeah good question so um if you look at it as in everyone has mental health and some people like I'm fundamentally you score it on the mental health continuum model which basically you rate whether you're red, amber, yellow or green. Green obviously being you've got really good mental health and red you're in crisis effectively to the verge of like suicidal part. That gives you a good establishment straight away on a rating of where you feel you're probably your staff sit and you can easily have those conversations with the staff and they will tell you where they feel they fit within that. What you have to establish is as a business owner, yes, you have Mental Health England, you can have awareness courses and first aid courses in there, but that's really when people go into that red or amber crisis part. And really on that part is where you need professional services. So it's not the agent's job to be mental health care because it would be very dangerous because that's where you can put someone into the red and not be around anymore. Of course, it's not your job to talk them out of yeah. suicide. Yeah, so... Uh, business owners need to understand that it is always going to be the duty of the member of staff to take that step to recover from whatever they've got mental health problems wise. Uh, you can't be a rescuer as owner to try and help them. You can only support them in certain ways. So if you look at from a professional level, uh, not professional way, but more of a community level, which is the greens and yellows, which most businesses should be operating in it, you almost have to see your business as a great analogy I use is Everyone should have a first health, first aider in their business in case someone trips over and they damage their arm and what's a side to it and you know recovery and element to it. And yes, you have mental health first aiders. You can you can put in in teams that can recognise similar signs. But if you had a first you had a first aider in your business, but equally at the same time you had loads of trip hazards and loads of dangerous stuff and people could get electrocuted, it's going to need beyond that mental first aider because they're going to be going to hospital and it's going to be deaths and all sorts of stuff. So you have to understand that that is exactly the same way as mental health in your business. You need to understand that you need to have a well-being culture. Got it. And well-being cultures around identity, purpose, finding that uh, drive, those people, those goals, all that sort of side to it, and having those check-in sessions with those people. I love that. So, so uh, you know, am I right in thinking from listening to that analogy that yeah, you could you could say we're all about mental health, and we've even got a person here that you can go to if you've got a problem. But at the same time, we pile the pressure on with the targets and we're on your case 24-7, which is the equivalent of the fact that there's wires all over the office. People are going to trip over anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that and that's and that leads to all of that, because really, when you look at that continuum model as a business owner, you're making sure everyone's in green, having those micro conversations when people start to hit a bit yellow because they're stressful of parts, but there's too much pressure. And they're going into the oranges and reds. You need to really understand, like, why are they being affected? Have real self-awareness, compassion towards putting your 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 head into their space and going, right, why are they feeling this way? And what are the factors around this? Is it just work life? Is it family life? Is there stuff they're not talking about? Mm-hmm. And it's creating that uh, vulnerable community amongst your team that you can have those open conversations about how you're feeling rather than it being so factual and pressure-based just on target targets. And if you, because if you can't, if it's target-based, as we've said, if you're having those conversations and creating that culture and having those conversations, those team members can come to you. And then you can then say, right, you know, I recommend probably speaking to this charity around counselling service or professional proper services. But how does a business owner deal with that? Do they deal with the fact that someone in their organisation just is like, oh, I need a bit of time off? Right. I mean, it does happen. They, I mean, the facts are, what was the facts I, I, I worked to is like, they say one in six people have mental health issues within a workplace, mm. but also um, about, I think, it, I think it was about one in four people, actually, whenever they call up sick, they actually call up sick around mental health issues, but they disguise it under other issues. Yeah, Actually, I think it's about £1,500 a year that each employee loses with mental health issues with, within a workplace. So it's, again, it's establishing the boundaries and establishing a contract with that. So as a business owner, sitting down with a member of staff and saying, like, 
tell me about how you're feeling, describe to me and that lot, not using why, but also just a bit like a bit like the start of the thing about the interview. If you start the interview process and you're establishing that, they know that you work in that environment, you can have those communication. They've already established it. So if you're sitting down on a monthly meeting and get to know your member of staff, it already opens up those channels. So if you recognize that they might be not performing so well and you pull them into that meeting, there's already that process in place. So that at least then you can then establish, go, right, you know, we're going to talk in a, it's a safe place. The stuff we're going to talk around is not going to go beyond these walls. T- tell me what, how you're feeling, like what's going on in your life? Like uh, I've noticed some changes, allowing them to open up. And then from them opening up, you then establish the procedures and the goals that they are going to take to help themselves uh, become better. Mm. And what establishing what you can do as an employee. So if they said, I'm going to go and, uh, yeah, I've established, I've had these really, you know, it's quite bad thoughts and that lies, a lot of pressures, I'm feeling a lot of stresses. I'm probably in that orange part of a continuum model here. Okay, so you should like maybe speak to a professional body, a counselling service, I recommend some numbers. Are you going to go and speak to them and to a, yeah, I'm going to go and get them booked in. If a if two weeks goes by or three weeks goes by or four weeks goes by and there's they're still having those issues, at least you can go back to them and say, did you book in with that person? Okay. I've got a question for you then. And, you know, maybe a listener might think, oh, I, I wish everybody, I wish we could just find a member of staff like Rob, but I'm going to talk about it from my perspective as a, as a business owner then. And you as, an, as one of my employees can talk about it from your point of view. How does it work whereby, and you can say if you don't think that this is how it is, but from my point of view, uh, I, I trust my staff implicitly. If they came to me and said, oh, fucking hell, I need some time off, I'd just go just take time off. Mm. Like, I, you don't need to justify it to me. I don't give a shit. Like, however, you're still working like crazy in your coach in your coaching role. I'm yeah. not setting you targets. I don't give a fuck if you have the day off. Yeah. I don't know if you're at work or not at work. Like I if you need time off, you take time off. And anything else that you need from me, I'll try to remove roadblocks out of your way. But you're, how are you still? How are you still pushing yourself to do the work? Um, because that's alien to an estate agent, right? If they don't push their staff, their staff will do nothing. Okay, well, how am I doing this right now? Well, would you agree that I don't, I don't, I don't, right. and you don't care whether you're at work or not? Because, right. because, because ultimately, like a big said at the beginning, I think it comes back to the whole thing: be an expert, can be committed, be connected. Like it's the, the original like, conversations that we had. Yeah, no, what your role in the company is, and yeah. you know full well that, like, regardless of how good of friends we are, if you yeah. can't do the role, you you just won't work here, right? We're not, yeah, we're a high-performing team. And if you're brilliant at that job, you'll work here. And if you're not, someone else will do it. And we'll still be friends. And I, I think, and that's, yeah, and that's what you've established from the point. So, like, it's not in my nature not to push and strive and grow, especially in my coaching role. I'm, you know, you know how many times we had the conversation, especially in the last few months, where every time I speak to you, like, I've learned something new about question texting and stuff like that. Yeah. That's not you saying, Rob, we need to go and develop that stuff. That's coming back. I said, go, and, go yeah. on in courses. So that's come back for being an expert because that's the fundamentals and what I believe that is where I we're driving on it. I think if you think about it, going back to that whole rocket and you're you're at the beginning of that rocket, you're going to do it on the side of the thing. It's going to have iceberg digital, and I'm sure it's going to have the three core values on the side of it with where we're driving off to. So again, you've got to establish that well-being and that environment that people feel like they're connected with that company. If there's no connection, this is what I was saying to a lot of people I talk around. I said. If you don't have those conversations with those your staff member, you don't establish those things. There's always going to be a friction between the two of you because your alignment with what you what you expect is in how you should run your business and how they should operate is completely out of relation to the reality of what's happening, and the same with them as well. So unless you establish the expectations versus realities, you're always going to have that friction. So you need to iron that out before anything can happen. So from all of that, that whole conversation that we've had, which we, you know, we probably need to wrap up now. If someone's li- if someone's still listening to this, like fucking hell, you're doing you're doing well, right? So, um, from everything that we've just spoken about, it seems like, although this podcast wasn't about recruitment, 
retention is is actually about recruitment it's about the way that you hire people how in touch you are with what it is that they're trying to achieve versus what you're trying to achieve and how well you communicate that at the beginning as to like right this organization is all about moving people into houses and moving them onto the next chapter of their life as quickly as possible and with as least stress as possible and we need people to do that and we need people that are focused on doing that and I don't give a fuck whether you take a day off because you're stressed. That's no problem with me. But at the end of the month, we're going to look at how many people we moved and how successfully we moved them and how the least amount of stress we moved them. And if we're unable to do it, we won't have a company and no one will have a fucking job. So I don't have to be like a parent to you. You do what you need to do to work to the optimum level to move as many people as possible with as least stress as possible into the next chapter of their lives. <laughs> and if you could have that conversation, I guess, with people at the beginning, then it becomes a lot easier. You don't have to worry so much about targets and all of that sort of stuff. You know, I know where you're trying to go as a person. You know where I'm trying to go as a person. We know what the rules of the game are and everybody accepts it if it gets to the end of the month and I haven't moved anybody with the least amount of stress onto the next chapter of their lives I'm going to end up having a conversation with my boss about it yeah so it's all about it's all about getting clear who you are as a company what it is you're trying to achieve be realistic about what you pay people and be in tune with where they're trying to go in their lives and whether you can actually help them get there or whether this is a temporary fix for both of you yeah and I think um just to add on that part about communicating with the staff, it's if you are the main communicator to the staff and trying to establish it. So if you are the owner directly to your team members and you're leading it, the ship directly, you need to understand and maybe training, listening aspects of it and coaching, how to lead a coaching culture in your business with regards to how you listen, how you question people, how you extract the information out of them. But if you're, have you got managers as well? who are values at the same time, and you're expecting to do that as well. You need to establish them to have the same, go, let them go through those same qualifications, the same experiences and the same things, so they, they can understand how to do that as well. Because without that, their value in houses, and you're expecting to do that, that you need to embed not just the training on how to list more houses. It's more about training on how to unlock potential from other members of your team. Love it. Awesome. Rob Brady, the coach. Um brilliant as ever thanks very much i'm sure we'll do another episode to, episode together soon thanks for coming on all the best mate fuck what you heard it's what you hearing it's what you hearing listen it's what you hearing listen it's what you hearing listen